Hey Emmanuel. Um, hope you're having a good morning and I'm filming this uh, jumping in here Thursday around lunchtime. Uh, we have VBS going on over at the church so I'm recording from my house but uh, let's start with prayer this morning as we dig into the next chunk of our uh, The Way of Jesus from Belief to Action series for this summer. Let's pray. Lord we um, just ask simply Lord that you would guide us and um, meet us where we're at today Lord. Your, your good news and your gospel is profound. It is remarkable um, and it truly is the best news uh, that any one of us could hear and receive and believe and so we pray God today that we would do just that that we would hear it that we would see it that we would believe it um, in the depths of our hearts so open our hearts and minds Lord would you fill this place with the presence of your Holy Spirit in Jesus name amen so we've been in this series this is week three now uh, the way of Jesus from belief to action. Uh, we want to unpack what it means to be a disciple, an actual follower of Jesus, and to move all of these good beliefs and ideas that we have about faith, about the Bible, about scriptures, about how Jesus lived, and move that into a way where we act on those things, where our lives embody what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a disciple. And we want to do this in practical ways. So this isn't going to be all heady stuff in this sermon series. We want it to be practical as well. We want to live out our belief uh, really so the world around us becomes less confused as to what Christians are, what Christians believe, why do some Christians act this way and others act this way. We want to bring some peace to that conversation, at least in how we live our own lives as followers of Jesus. So there's a couple things we've talked about in the last two weeks. First, uh, we made a, a case for Jesus's life, uh, his work, his divinity. We talked about the authority of scriptures and how well preserved the pages have been throughout history of the Bible. And we talked about scripture being an accurate testimony, uh, an accurate eyewitness account of the life and the ministry of Jesus, uh, but also predating that back into the history of Israel too, as the Old Testament documents. And we talked about if that's all true, if it's probable, if Jesus really did come and fulfill the requirements of the Messiah, if he really did live this life, perform miracles, die on the cross, and then didn't stay dead, uh, we probably want to know what Jesus has to say, right? And so we dug into that as well. Jesus proclaimed that he is the way to the Father. He is. We want to know him. We need to know him to experience a way to the Father. We need to understand his teachings and be open to following him with our lives. That's the truth. That's the foundation of Jesus' life and his ministry what he was communicating and showing and living out to the people in his time here on earth. <clears throat> Last week, we dug into what it means to be a disciple. Uh, being a disciple is like being an apprentice. We learn and grow under a leader. Uh, many of you did apprenticeships for a career that you're in or as part of your studies or school, similar to an internship, but uh, an apprentice is a very intentional way to take on the work of the master, of the teacher. So that's kind of what being a disciple is like. We want to take on the work of the, of the master, of Jesus, of our Lord and Savior. So following Jesus is like that. We don't earn our salvation through following Jesus, but once we realize God's love and grace for us, the only path to true life is following Jesus. Since God created us and he knows us best and he communicated that to us. And don't forget the Holy Spirit too. Being a disciple has a lot to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us to follow, helps us to follow, and does the work of God in us and through us so that we can follow 
which is why we want to partner with the Holy Spirit and be aware of what his spirit is doing in us and around us every day of our lives, right? So we're, today we're digging into the gospel that compels us to follow Jesus. Uh, most of us don't follow Jesus on a whim, right? Uh, maybe we grew up in the church and this idea of gospel is not new to us. Uh, maybe it's sunk in, you know, and we're all in already. Uh, maybe we've never really fully understood or thought about uh, what this good news means for us and for the world through Jesus Christ. So what is the gospel? What is the gospel? It means good news. And how is this good news relevant to us today? So have you ever received good news? Um, that's a question I have for you. Um, I have an example here in my notes um, that I typed out a couple of days ago. Um, I received some bad news uh, yesterday morning when I went down and found the basement had flooded overnight of the parsonage here. Not the good news we're talking about, right? Uh, the good news of Jesus Christ does not bring anxiety. It doesn't bring panic, um, even though that's what I experienced with the flooded basement. Uh, the good news is way better than that. So the example I have is this. Um, I think about Allison's pregnancy with our second child with Annabelle. And this is back in 2013. We had a fairly routine ultrasound at the normal time. And it became quite clear during that ultrasound down in Ames that uh, the tech was very quiet. The person doing the ultrasound was very quiet. And it turned out there was a whole list of things that she could not confirm on the ultrasound about the development of Annabelle. And so the doctor came in after the appointment and started asking about genetic testing and what this could mean. And um, this was not good news, friends. If you've ever been in that experience, uh, especially with a child, uh, with the development of a child, whether in the womb or after that, um, it's not a good experience to, to have somebody in the medical field tell you that things might not be okay. And many of us I know have experienced that. So this is not good news, right? It, it stirs up that, that fear and that anxiety in us. And um, it kind of just shakes us for a little bit. And we were shaken, definitely, in this season. So we had to wait two or three weeks, I think it was, maybe even a month, until there was an opening for us to go down to Des Moines and have a higher quality 3D ultrasound. And so the waiting was painful. A lot of prayer um, with the staff out at Riverside is where I worked at the time. A lot of prayer in church for us. Uh, which was great. We had anxiety and we had doubts, uh, but we waited. Um, in, the, in the midst of that, we waited. And the day came, we drove down to Des Moines and uh, we're doing the ultrasound, we're waiting with bated breath, right? We're, we're, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? Um, just give it to us, doctor. And he, he, the doctor said something like this, why did they send you here? Why did they send you here? And, and we explained to him some of their concerns, and which I'm sure he already knew because he had the file, right? And the doctor proceeded to tell us that he saw a perfectly normal, healthy baby girl. That was some good news. That was some really good news, right? Um, that was a news that freed us from the fear and the anxiety that we had been living with in that waiting period. Uh, it released us from something dark and painful and restored us to something good and hope-filled. And most of you have met Annabelle. You know that things turned out okay for this story, right? So that's kind of what the good news is. It, bring, it brings us some sort of release from the, the pain, uh, from what is broken, from what is fear-causing and anxiety-causing. So understanding the gospel, or, or the word gospel even, uh, it's important to look at a little bit of context and how the writers of the New Testament use this. So the Greek euangelion means good news, or good telling, 
And so gospel pretty much means good news. That's why we sort of use it interchangeably. Many of you at some point in your lives have held a copy of the Good News Bible, which is accurately named, I would say. And in the Christian sense, gospel has come to refer pretty much only to the good news of Jesus Christ as laid out and given testimony to in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the gospels that we have in the New Testament. So uh, the word took on a little bit more flavor in Jesus' day. There was a little different understanding if somebody hearing that word or reading these early accounts um, in the first and second century, they might have had a little different understanding of what was being said, or, or maybe a, more of a depth to that understanding. So I'm going to do my best to s summarize a concept uh, that one of my seminary professors made uh, in explaining what the Gospels were. So uh, he told a whole nice story. I'm just going to summarize what the story meant. Uh, in, in the time of the Roman Empire, the idea of good news had a lot to do with who your ruler was who was in control of your town or your country, or in this case, it was Rome. It was the Roman Empire, right? And if you had an oppressive ruler over your town or province or country, you might have a desire for someone better, maybe even somebody good or righteous to become that king or that ruler. Um, you would want sort of a change of leadership, right? And we get a hint of that on Palm Sunday as Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem on the donkey with this ticker tape parade, uh, Jesus was potentially going to be their good news. He was maybe going to be this one to restore Israel and to sit on the throne. And that was their hope. That, that gives us a little bit of a look of what good news would have meant to the people of that time. In Israel's mind, as a country, as a kingdom, Jesus being the Messiah certainly would have been good news to them. So in the case of the good news, this is something that would be communicated in times past, right? So if something big like this happened, there was no, if there was a new king or a new ruler, uh, a new lord, uh, there was no social media or 24-hour news network to communicate that with anybody in the world who wanted to know it, right? So what did they do? They had messengers, and messengers would take that information, that message, they would take that good news from village to village, city to city, along the countryside, proclaiming that a new reign had begun. Now, obviously, it may not always, in geopolitical terms, play out to be a good reign. The ruler that you had might not be the best one that you thought they were going to be. Um, when you thought you had a release from the oppression, maybe the new ruler was just as oppressive or worse, or maybe they were better. Uh, but this idea of taking and carrying the good news, uh, the gospel, the context of this, helps us better understand what the word is getting to for us as followers of Jesus. So when the Bible talks about gospel, let's keep these things in mind. Uh, there's more to the word than we might think, but understanding this historical context will help us to better understand and view Jesus. So now let's look at this in terms of Jesus' coming in the New Testament use of this phrase. The Christian message of the gospel. First of all, there's a few summary points of what the gospel is. First of all, God created us for his glory. That's where the gospel starts. It starts with creation. God created us for his glory, and we were made to live and reflect God's glory. So there's an affirmation there. There's a, a submission that we did not create ourselves. We do not have the power to create life, but God created us. From Genesis, from creation, God's intent was for us, for humanity, to be his earthly hands and feet. 
to live out and portray his goodness, his kindness. And, and this is humanity's role. This is literally what we were created for. We were the crowning pinnacle achievement of God's creation in the books of Genesis, in the early pages of Genesis. So in the beginning, God was king. God was king. And the king made us very good. And Adam and Eve reflected and embodied God's goodness in the beginning. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the good news. But we are sinful, right? We are imperfect. And even in our best efforts, that sin leads to eternal separation from God and punishment and a whole lot of not life, right? When we are separated from God, we are not living our true lives. And that's what the sin and the brokenness and our imperfections, that's what it brings. In the beginning, God was Adam and Eve's king until they were deceived and began trusting their own understanding or the understanding of the serpent above what God had told them and the heart that God had for them. Thinking about lordship, this reality, apart from Jesus' saving grace, is that sin is our Lord. Sin is our ruler. Death is our Lord. Death is our ruler. If that's all that we have to live for, it owns us. It is our ruler. It lords over us. And thus, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Somebody to unseat sin and death from having lordship in our lives for the sake of something better. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 tells us. Um, very important verse. Uh, some of us think pretty highly of ourselves, uh, but sin is the great equalizer for humanity. We are all in it, all part of it. We've all done it. We all continue to do it because we are not perfect yet. <laughs> so sin became an issue, and in many ways, sin and death became lord of the earth. But there is hope, and that's what the gospel is about. That's what this good news is about. In God's great mercy, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to provide humanity and sinners like you and me a way back to him, a way to eternal life, more than just knowing God today, but having the assurance of an eternity, of eternity filled with goodness, not filled with sin and death anymore. And that way is Jesus. And the scriptures are clear about that. And that's what we talked about um, a couple weeks ago with the authority of scripture. They are clear about the way for us to experience this life. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Again, belief is important. We're going to keep reminding you of that. Believing in Jesus with our hearts, with our minds, with our whole selves. That's eternal life. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. Jesus took the place, the punishment, the result of sin and death, and took the place for us on the cross. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God. Again, Jesus is that way maker. Jesus is the pathway through belief, by grace, through faith. Jesus is that pathway for us to experience God. In every way that we cannot live up to God's law, which is many, I included, and in every way that we cannot earn our way to God, we can't do it, it's futile, God has provided a way and an answer. And I take great comfort in knowing that, friends. Um, 
I actually take great comfort in knowing that Jesus has said he is the way. Uh, because for me, that means I don't have to guess about it. If I trust Jesus's words, I don't have to guess about it. And I don't have to communicate to somebody else that there might be other ways when Jesus didn't say that. God has done it all. God has made the way. It's not on my shoulders. By grace through faith, I, we, we get to experience life in Jesus Christ. So that's why I take great comfort in it. Jesus has made the way where I could not and nobody else could for me. And that is true of you as well. This eternal life is a great gift for all who believe in Christ Jesus. And this remains the main distinguisher between Christianity and all the other world religions. Eternal life is a gift when you know Jesus Christ. Eternal life has, all the work has been done by somebody else. And we have this concept of forgiveness and grace um, that you'll be hard pressed to find a really good explanation for outside of Christianity. It's not an achievement, friends. Just like we can't overthrow sin and death, we can't overthrow that geopolitical leader uh, to give ourselves a better situation. Somebody else had to come do that. Somebody else had to do that. And the gospel for us today, what does this mean for us? The gospel is this. It's a past event, yes, but it's an ongoing reality, and it is our future reality when we know Jesus Christ. Let's think of the gospel and its meaning again. Jesus has unseated sin and death from its throne. He's overthrown it, just like he overthrew the tables in the temple. He has overthrown sin and death from the throne. Apart from Jesus, sin and death is our Lord and our ruler. But because of Jesus, his death and his resurrection and his goodness and his righteousness and his perfection, and because of his presence in us and through us via his spirit, there is a new king of our lives. Friends, that is the gospel. There is a new king of our lives. There is a new Lord, a new king of our hearts, and a new kingdom for us to inhabit that is not of this world. You've heard the phrase, in it, but not of it, I'm assuming, right? Christians are called to be in the world, interacting with the world, living in the world, breathing the same air that the world breathes. Uh, but we're not meant to be of it. And that means we aren't supposed to be formed and shaped and defined by the world. Because we are part of a different kingdom, one that is bigger across time and all reality. And that is the kingdom of God that we experience through Christ Jesus. Our kingdom above all kingdoms, is that of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our Lord. That's our ruler. We live in a broken world, but our lives are to be played out under the rule, not of the world, not of the sin and the death, but of life, love, grace, and goodness in the hands of our Savior. Friends, the painful reality of sin and death, of not measuring up, of having flaws and shortcomings, when we feel like we're just not good enough, which many of us have felt and feel, of not having a direction in our lives, of, or maybe we're living in despair. The, the pain of all of this, this reality, does not have to be the Lord of you and of me any longer. That pain and that anxiety does not have to be Lord over us. There is hope. Uh, in the future, yes, but in the present as well. 
and this is maybe another common misconception in Christianity. We aren't saved um, today to experience a whole bunch of pain and suffering until we die someday and then experience life. We get to start experiencing the life today because Jesus is king today. He is king. And Jesus offers forgiveness today. And Jesus leads us to life everlasting today. Uh, eternity begins today. It begins when we know Jesus. And it continues through this life in the flesh and beyond for what God has in store for us. And the gospel is this. If I could summarize it in three words, it's this. Jesus is Lord. You're not the Lord. I'm not Lord. Not the pastor. The church building is not our Lord. The political party is not our Lord. The president is not our Lord. Our job is not our Lord. Our career is not our Lord. A virus cannot be our Lord. A war going on is not our Lord. An, ideal, an ideology is not our Lord. An idea itself is not our Lord. Society is not our Lord. Culture is not our Lord. And the list can go on and on, right? Make no mistake, the gospel is this. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus made the way for you and for me to experience forgiveness and eternal life. Isn't that a kingdom you want to be a part of? I do. I hope you do too. To live in that kingdom. Isn't Jesus a king? If he is who he says he is, which I believe he is, many of you do too, or else we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation this morning. If Jesus is, if Jesus is really Jesus, he's a king worth following and submitting to. The savior of our whole selves, not just parts of our lives, but everything. We can certainly trust him to be Lord of our lives and the Lord of our church and of this church. So here's our crossroads today and our challenge. Um, it's simple. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? That's what receiving the gospel, the good news, means. You receive a new Lord of your life. You receive Jesus Christ in place of sin and death, in place of worldly allegiances, in place of ideologies. You receive Jesus, the very much alive Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You receive him as your Lord. Last week we talked about being a fan. Are you a fan of Jesus or you want to be a follower of Jesus? Um, if you're a fan, he's not your Lord. If you're just a fan. But if you're a follower, you submit to the ways of the master, of the teacher. You submit to the ways of Jesus. And that's what the way of Jesus is. Get to be a disciple. And ultimately that means every benefit that is at the hands and within the capacity of the teacher to give all those benefits get extended to us as well. Hence, forgiveness, grace, and eternal life. So, let's be living billboards for King Jesus, right? Uh, let's have every single part of our life, uh, all areas of our lives, be transformed by the Lord of our lives, who is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you and praise you for this good news, this gospel. I pray, Lord, that we um, 
we maybe have come to a deeper understanding of what that means today in our minds, in our hearts, but as it pertains to our lives. Lord, we ask that you would give us whatever we need, whether that's a change of heart or a change of mind, whether that's bringing a passion where we lack passion, bringing a conviction where we lack conviction. Lord, we humbly um, and ask that you would be the Lord of our lives. Help us to receive this gospel today and tomorrow and every day now and for eternity. And help us to treat you and live like you are our King and our Lord of our lives. Lord, this is good news. And Lord, we're not perfect. We know that um, sometimes we're going to choose sin and death. But we thank you for the grace and forgiveness that we find in Christ Jesus, knowing that that has been paid for. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to become more like Jesus so that that sin and that death reality becomes less important in our lives, less of a part of our lives. We can learn how to live not under the yoke and the bondage and the, the, the oppression of sin and death or of any other thing that we submit to knowingly or unknowingly in this world, but that we would live under your complete authority, Lord. Knowing that our creator who created us, who knit us together in our mother's womb, our creator who gives good gifts to those that he loves, knowing, God, that you can and you have and you will provide for us in every single way. So today, Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that Jesus is Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.